Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Channel 10's big sales pitch. We give our verdict on whether it worked. Manu cooked at seven as Team Red decide not to renew his contract. And what actually qualifies as news these days? I don't think Malk and I are going to see eye to eye on this one. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box. In the house we have Mog. I've teased it, Mog. Do you think you and I might disagree today? <laughs> it wouldn't be for the first time, Rob, but we remain friends. That's an important thing. Oh, of course. Always. I love it. Plus, good... I know where you sleep. Yeah, well, yes, indeed. Now, next time we share the bed, you've got to give me some room. <laughs> no. <laughs> also joining us is Aaron Ryan. Hello, Aaron. Good morning. Well, that felt a little bit icky, but Okay. <laughs> Rod Morris, hello Rod Hello Rob, hello everybody, no pictures please <laughs> And the delightful, the effervescent Sarah Monaghan, hello Sarah Well hello, I survived New York and I'm back on my boat and very happy Huzzah Yes, it was a lovely trip in New York that I saw You were co-hosting the Andrew and Robbo show live from New York We had, You are our international correspondent I will take that job. <laughs> Doesn't pay very much. It's not very no. high profile and very low glamour. <laughs> I know. I had to do my own hair and makeup, but, you know. In New York. In mm-hmm. New York, on the streets, being accosted by homeless men. Homeless men. That's so. just well, what's what Sarah calls Tuesday. all right another big week in the world of television so let's get into it and we begin with channel 10's big pitch to advertisers last week the network streamed a video presentation where they declared themselves undisputed under 50s more on that in a minute but let's take you through some of the key moments sales chief rod prosser was the first executive to speak as he presented a more socially aware network Viacom CBS both locally and globally is a content powerhouse and we are acutely aware of our ability to influence culture, which raises a number of questions about our responsibility. How can we better promote and employ social justice, equality and inclusion? How can we represent all Australians and their stories? How can we raise the conversation, not lower the bar? These are questions of integrity. And to us, integrity matters. 
So, Aaron, what do you think? Do advertisers care about being socially progressive or do they care more about eyeballs and selling their products? Look, at the end of the day, it, it is more eyeballs, but we do see advertisers getting caught up in, you know, some controversy where, you know, that, that they will be ripped their advertising from certain programs due to, you know, maybe an LGBTQI um, issue or something like that. But, um, I mean, generally it's going to come down to them, you know, selling their, selling their product at the end of the day. What do you think, Rod, as a consumer, do you care if a network is socially progressive or do you just care about the products they're selling and the programs they're airing? Absolutely not. This is about eyeballs. It, it, when, when this thing started, I thought it, it felt like a pitch for the ABC because it started off with its whole thing about, uh, you know, welcome to country. Mm. Thought, you know, what's this? And then it's all, all, all this overly woke stuff. I thought, you're an entertainment company. You're not, you're not a social conscience company. It's about advertising. And I was, like, I was watching this thing and I just, I just got so many sort of thoughts as I was watching. I thought, what the hell are you doing? But anyway, um, it's about eyeballs. It's all about your advertising. Do you really think West Farmers and, 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 and Woolworths really give a rat's ass about social issues? As long as, as long as they're selling product, that's all I care about. It might be a play, Malt, to get the advertisers to work more with 10 advertisers are a little bit outside the rest of the community in that they want to be seen doing good work and and you know advertising companies will often do uh community service announcements taking up a good cause could it be a play that would work connecting with certain advertising uh companies the buyers that's a good question, Rob. And usually I'm the cynical one, just BT dubs with everything that's come before this. Um, I, I politely disagree with you, Rod. I think that uh, it's not woke. It's respectful to acknowledge oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the Indigenous owners of the land. However, I, I, I can see where you come from for some of the other stuff. I, it, yeah, it's not just the, the race thing I'm talking about there. It's it's what yeah, yeah, everything yeah. that no, followed. I, I was say, did it sound like an ABC pitch to you? Um, I, I thought... And it bundles it together. If they are number one in the under 50s demo, they are trying to lean into what that demo is about. Mm. And I work professionally with young people. They care deeply about social justice issues, about climate change, about mental health issues, about um, uh, LGBTIQ inclusion, all of that sort of stuff. That is what they are 100% in for. And I think that while if we get really sharp, the, the buyers necessarily don't care about what your moral situation is. They just want to get the best price for their ads on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is that big corporates actually do care to be seen to be socially responsible. Mm. And it was an interesting play by 10 to open it up like this and say that we want to be, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a question of integrity, that this is the kind of network that we want to be. Um, I can't make any claims as to whether or not that this was uh, lumped on them by Viacom CBS out of the States or whether this was a local decision. I think that given the demo they are trying to attract, it's a really smart move. Actually, just on that, can I just pick up on that? Is this something they do sort of mid-cycle every year? Because I, I, I over a three years back in the mid-ooze made the content for their annual upfronts. So they called this up close. Is this mm. like the other networks have nothing? So what's prompted this production? All, all bets are off, Rod. And anyone can communicate with their market anytime they want these days. Mm. They still do have the upfronts, but all of the networks will pop up from time to time, ten especially, and deliver us these kinds of bits of reels, and we're going to promote stuff. I mean, ostensibly, this was them really plugging the back half of the year. Yeah, yeah. it was a big production. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's not uncommon to have these throughout the year, but you've got your big annual upfronts as well. Mm. Look, Rod Prosser also made an interesting distinction about how we view Network 10. We are no longer the third network. We are one of three. And our audience has more income, more purchase intent, and is more socially progressive. These consumers are the market's most elusive. And because of this, the most prized. At 10 Viacom CBS, we can put these consumers within easy reach. We are no longer the third network. We are one of three. Mulk, that's an interesting way to change the narrative to advertisers about 10, isn't it? It sure is. It, it feels a bit semantical to me. You know, I didn't come third in the race. I was one of three. Hey, um, you got a participation trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and welcome to it. I, I, you're right. It's all about repositioning themselves. Uh, and, and I think that it fits in line with the rest of what Rod and Bev talk about on that presentation. Actually, can I just interrupt there too? I wish you'd let that go on a little bit longer because it was only a few more lines after that. He said, we don't exaggerate our abilities. Hmm, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I'm fascinated. Keep going. (laughs) Uh, That's a very fair point. Look, 10's National Sales Director, Lisa Squalis, says 10's audience is very different to 9 and 7. There are three key points I really want to stress. Firstly, our audiences are not those of our competitors. 10 Viacom CBS is undisputed in under 50s. 49% of our audience in 25-54 is significantly higher than 7 and 9s. We are the youngest free-to-air network and our audience thinks younger too. By that I mean we don't have the rusted on viewers with fixed mindsets and habits that can't be broken. Check that pivot. This is where we start to get murky, Sarah, because Ten's entire pitch is around the line, the undisputed under 50s. But the figures don't back this up. My investigations show Ten is third in under 50s and has actually lost 2.3% in the demo in the survey to date. Now, I'm thinking, I'm trying to give Ten the benefit of the doubt here, and I think they might be claiming the demo with all of their brands like... MTV and Nickelodeon, but they're not available on free-to-air. And she she specifically said free-to-air. This feels like a dangerous play when Mm -hmm. the figures don't back them up, Sarah. I feel like this whole commercial, like I, I found it fascinating because they actually had executives instead of like the talent and stuff. And I, I think a lot of it, you know, when you watch the queen versus Meghan Markle, and it's the whole, the old stoic, you know, this is the stiff upper lip, this is how we do things. And then there's the, this is my truth and how I feel and how I identify. And I feel like 10 has become R12. <laughs> and like, <laughs> they are very much the younger, like, and, and power to them for, you know, pandering to this group because this is the younger group. This is who. This is the next generation of, Pandering. you know, well, it, it is because they make that they're, they're, they're stretching truths and they're saying things, but they're younger kids don't care because that's how they feel and that's how they identify. And that's what they, you know, that's their truth. And so 10 is just run with that. But it's a hell of a claim to make. I, I think it's a smart play by 10 to go for under 50s. The key is when 10 had a lot of success, they looked 
we they they basically looked at the figures and said we're we're getting smashed in total people. How can we skew it? Where are we strong? And they looked at it and went, my God, we're really strong in 16 to 39. And they made that an appealing target demo for advertisers. It was a very smart play. And that's who so, spends money. Absolutely. But now if they're saying we're really strong in under 50s and that's going to be our target demo, once again, fair play. But the problem is they are not dominant in that demo. They are third placed in that demo in the calendar in the survey year Rob, to date. they're not third place anymore. They're one of three. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how can you say undisputed under 50s when the figures don't back that up, Aaron? Well, I'm guessing they're using some sort of figures. It could be 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. five nights a week, not including Saturdays or something like that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. The other thing I just wanted to mention, Rob, is we don't have rusted on viewers. What does that even mean? Like, I took offence at that. Like, so, so rusted on viewers. What, so, so anyone does that, that mean they don't have the programming depth to keep viewers for the year round? Yeah, exactly. I mean, does that mean that people that watch The Bachelor aren't rusted on viewers, but people that watch Lego Masters or Big Brother are rusted on? What I mean, what does that actually mean? Well, I think it's a play to say they can reach people who aren't watching TV. So they're talking about the people who come in and out, basically. So uh, they're, <laughs> they're trying to skew there, but obviously you want viewers. What they're trying to do is make the most of what they have. Yep. You know, it, it is a tough year for 10. MasterChef has lost around half its audience this year. Uh, maybe not quite half, but a, a fair chunk of it. And, you know, that things aren't firing as they should. I think there's a lot of... There is a lot of good talk for 10, and there are, there are signs of growth in certain aspects, but it worries me when you make a claim of undisputed under-50s when every time you said that you put all these brands up, including Nickelodeon, which, shock horror, skews very young, but that's not a free-to-air channel. That's not your main channel. What does 10 stand for? Where are these figures coming from? It's like you're fighting my argument for me, Rob. Uh, of all my other weeks where I say we can't claim anyone is the under-50s anything because there's no formal demo for it. Um, but we get to, the to, information. We can see w what's rating in the under-50s. As I said, I did some investigations using the official Oztam figures, and I can tell you the 10, 10 is coming third in under-50s. Yeah, but they don't publish an under-50s demo is what I'm getting at. The, the networks get figures, they can pass it on to the sales team, but they make claims that we can't um, publish any veracity in. That said, they're, they're in a unique position because they are the only free-to-air network that have all of these extra channels in their suite mm. that don't fit into the free-to-air market that absolutely skew young. Absolutely. Yes. And so this helps reinforce their claim around this where the number one in under 50 is undisputed, all of the things. Um, uh, the, the difficulty is you're right, they're not free-to-air stuff. But usually when people do that, if they're skewing figures, Mulk, there's a little bit of disclaimer information down the bottom of how they're reaching that conclusion. That doesn't exist here. Oh, not in video presentations. Any written stuff there should be. Some of their things had little references. If I had time, I'd go back. I think, think some of their tiny little fine print where they got the figures from. But it's like, you know, haven't had a chance to, to talk about Oh, I didn't all, notice that. Yeah, I'll okay. definitely go and have yeah. a look at that. Yeah. Not all of them, but some of them. And But but even the claims... I'm sorry, this is preempting. Even the claims that um, soccer is the, the most played sport in Australia. I went and Googled that. 
Um, and this, for as many sites as you can find that say what's the most played sport in Australia it can range from cricket to swimming to cycling to, to netball. So, you know, it's interesting. They've, they've, they've gone and cherry-picked whatever they can, which, of course, you'd expect them to do. No, I was just going to say, I'm also wondering why they didn't go to their strengths. I mean, they actually do have some strengths, Ted. They do have some socially engaging shows that you sort of have to watch immediately rather than wait a few days because, you know, people are talking about it. Stuff like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette and The Masked Singer. I mean, um, and Celebrity MasterChef looks awesome um, that's coming up with, with some great um, celebrities in there. Um I just thought that their actual programming was their strength. And they're just talking about all of this other rubbish where it's, you know, their, their programming is their strength, actually. Okay. I, I want to quickly go around the room and ask for our thoughts, our overall thoughts on the presentation. And did it sell you on 10? Sarah. I actually thought it was very well done. I loved the fact that they used actual people behind the scenes and not their network talent. I like the fact that they are targeting the younger audience and they know what that younger audience is and what they're looking for. Um, I thought that they did have a good range of new shows coming out. Um, it was long, um, but I did think that it was very well done. And also, I just like Beverly McGarvey's accent. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, thoughts? Um, look, I, I will go back and try and dig out some of those figures for some of the claims they make. All that's stuck in my head is, you know, we don't exaggerate our abilities. Hmm, okay, right, that's a big claim. Uh, purely from a, a production point of view, whoever was directing Beverly should have told her not to stand in such a defensive way with her hands. Anyway purely body language thing. I found the uh, the detail about Paramount Plus interesting as well, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how many subscriptions they, they sell of that. So, uh, yeah, August 11, it kicks off. Interesting. I The lineup for Paramount Plus actually looked good, and it was interesting. Um, Beverly McGarvey really associated herself with Paramount Plus more so mm -hmm. than Network 10. Uh, Aaron, what was your overall view? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I think they should have just stuck with, with what they have and, and that it's some, some great programming um, and some good celebrities and stuff coming up. I just think, uh, as everyone said, some of the claims that they make, the rusted on viewers, you know, that not number three network, one of three, um, that tens audience are more socially progressive. I think they were just... Uh, you know, I don't know. I think they can back these up. And the other thing I don't know if anyone noticed is they actually says um, and we're, we're providing new content six days a week. So that is that, <laughs> they've officially given up on Saturdays, I guess. We rest on the Sabbath. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and you know, the, the Paramount Plus. I mean, you've you've got to what you've got is what you've got. But I mean, soccer. I mean, even by yeah. ABC standards, um, the ratings were really low on ABC and even, even SBS. I mean, nobody wants a sport and Foxtel wanted to pretty much give up on it. It's just um, they're just so proud of, you know, this this whole soccer thing. And it's just like, you know, as a viewer, it's like, do I do I really care about soccer? Um, is this, is well, this really maybe exciting? they're maybe they're trying to get a more international audience, because if you look at it like. Latin people, Europeans, they all love soccer. So maybe they're trying to draw over more of the younger and more of the SBS crowd. Well, I think this is just a case of the fact that they don't have any other sports. I mean, AFL's tied up, NRL's like tied up, cricket's <laughs> tied up. So we'll just go for another sport because everyone else is doing sport and all that's left is soccer. So, <laughs> Oh, look, if they got a good deal, they've got a um, relationship with soccer now and they're going to sell it. I, I don't have a problem with that so much. Mark, what was your overall thought? 
there's no question they'll have got a good deal for the soccer, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm really keen to see this network of integrity that Rod Prosser speaks of, to see what that looks like and how that plays out. Um, it was interesting to see James Warburton respond when asked by Jerno, you know, after the presentation, he basically shit-canned it. He said um, it was desperate. Yeah, and and look, I can understand that, that and 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 I think, I think that this kind of statement, it's very much a line in the sand. This is who we're going to be now, and if it pays off for them, that's going to blow up in Warburton's face. And if it doesn't, he gets to sit in his multi-million dollar whatever and be the guy that's in charge of everything. Um, it it I I, the ball is squarely in Ten's court. I'm dead keen to see some of the stuff they sizzle for the end of the year. I, I thought that the Paramount Plus sizzle in the reel was underdone. All we really got to see was a bunch of movies, which got me excited. They have some amazing franchises. Good content, though. Um, and some pretty old movies, like pulling out Pulp Fiction. and. Oh, and mate, Mission Impossible Godfather. 1 is nearly yeah. 20 years old. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, but the second one comes out this year. That's why. Mm. There's heaps of stuff that is coming down the pipe to it. There's no question. And and Chris Ledlin, who's uh, in charge of Paramount Plus in Australia, or doing a whole bunch of stuff with it, reminded me there's 60,000 episodes and movies coming to Paramount Plus when it opens. That's sure, pretty amazing. heaps of it is back catalogue stuff, but a lot of it is stuff that we also haven't seen. And they have a whole pipeline of new content coming into Paramount Plus over the next years like already lined up. So I think they undersold that, but it is also going to launch in a month and a bit and we'll get all of the shouting about Paramount Plus to come. On the whole, let's see what 10 looks like in 12 months. I remember like at probably a year ago when we were discussing 10, when they had Peach and that went away and there was some other stuff. And we I'm still there. Uh, well, you know, like 11. we talked about 10 didn't have they didn't know who they were. Like they were mm. lost. They were like non-directional. They weren't, they were just kind of flapping around trying to find who they were. And I think even if this doesn't work for them, at least they've found something that they're going to try to do and they've, they're targeting something. So I say power to them, good for them. Hopefully, you know, they're one of three now um, and maybe, you know, it, it does well. And I, I wish them good luck. One more thing, I think that critically in them making these claims about who they're going to be as this network that reflects the progressive values of their market and, and that they want to be a network of integrity, this is theirs to fuck up. <laughs> like they really yeah. seriously need to be cautious about how they now lean into stuff because if they make a misstep because they've claimed this is who we're going to be and they well, and, don't. And the woke kids do love to eat themselves. So if they do screw up, they're going to jump all over them. Mm. It's not quite my point, but I understand what you're saying, Sarah. <laughs> my only other thought with Paramount Plus, are they going to start pulling all that other content from the other services? Like they're going Anything to start making it all exclusive? Deal is done. Yeah? So okay. it's only as stuff ends its existing deal. So Showtime stuff will vanish from, or has vanished from Stan yeah. uh, and those kinds of things because it'll appear on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, I, I will say overall... I thought it was a really decent reel. I thought they did try to differentiate themselves. Mm. I thought the cutting of the promos was a bit weak, to be honest. Some of it just felt really slow and didn't help the excitement of what they were trying to sell. There was also repetitive repetitiveness, which may be what they were after, but Dan Monaghan essentially came 
in and said exactly what had been in the section right before him as far as their sizzle. So I think there needed to be a little bit more correlation on how he can build on what had just been said. It was almost like it felt like the promo sections and the presentation sections were working separately. I don't know Mm. that that's the case, but I really felt like I was hearing the exact same thing when I heard that section of the reel. I think the executives on the whole presented very well, and I think they're getting better and better at doing that. Rod Prosser is a standout. Bev's been doing these things for so long. She works really yeah. well. I, I think that they're getting that, and, and Lisa and, and Dan did great jobs too. So I think, though, the the sizzle part of it just needs to amp up a little bit and really sell me and get excited. Was this the first time we've seen Lisa and Dan in any of Ten's kind of presentational things? No, Dan has been in before, but Lisa is new to the company, having come from Seven. Dan presented the last one with Bev. So he's, he's been making his way into these reels. But this wasn't something for the general public, right? It was no, just no. More... This is this is for advertisers. Media people like us get to watch it, but it's for advertisers, and you have to remember that this is all about getting advertisers to spend their money. Okay, after 11 years at Channel Seven, Manu Fidel is parting ways with the network. His contract, which included his run as host of My Kitchen Rules, is up at the end of the month, but it seems it will not be the end of the chef's TV career. Speaking to the SMH, he stated that other production companies have already approached him for a few different formats. There's really no surprise here, is there, Aaron, that Manu wasn't going to end up staying with Seven. Big TV contracts just don't exist anymore unless you are on the big, big shows. Yeah, he's definitely a great talent, but, you know, yeah. I, I guess it's hard for Seven to continue to keep him on the payroll if there's no vehicle for him. But I'm sure he'll be back in 2023 for the revamped new season of My Kitchen Rules. Do you think he will be? Because I think they will avoid everything to do with the original format. It, it just seems that in, in some of the interviews that he's he's done, he's even though he's leaving seven, he just thinks that My Kitchen Rules is his baby and he's been there since day one, and he's actually like really keen to to actually go back. So yes, but what the talent think and what executives think are often two very different things. <laughs> <laughs> they might want to they might want to keep one in there to you know, Manu. You know, he, he is he is pretty good star power. They might want to keep you know one of them uh, one of them there, so he might be back. But there wasn't really any reality shows left for him to do, right? Since he'd already done, like, dancing. Did he do SAS? I mean, is there anything else left for him to do at Channel 7? Big Brother. <laughs> he could have done uh, Got Talent, but, of course, they had a new new lineup there this year, so. And, and he'd already done it. Yeah, but they didn't, obviously, want him back. Well, they wanted well, to what do they did after. is they made use. He was still on contract. They've put yeah. him on a, a, a whole load of shows to see it out. They like him. They're, to me, there's no doubt the network like him. You know, to be honest, when My Kitchen Rules ended, they got rid of Pete Evans straight away. Manu, they kept on for as long as they could, finding stuff for him to do. So it says to me they like him. They just don't have anything for him at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's exactly it, Robert. I don't think this is acrimonious by any stretch. No. I think it's just you know we, at the risk of overplaying Manu, you know we could put him on everything even more so, but that's not going to benefit him or us. Yeah. Um, wherever he lands, and I can completely appreciate that he thinks that there's you know more life in my kitchen rules than he should be on it cool um whether he will is well out of his hands uh it, it would be great to see him 
land somewhere new and do something successful because I think he does have a lot to bring both um, the food industry and the TV industry and however that can work together would be great. But I mean, there's a slot like, you know, Bourdain left a huge gap in the market for, you know, travel and people. And he could, he was talking about, uh, Manu was talking about like smaller production houses were doing things. And maybe he makes an interesting travel food series and then he can sell it back to Seven or someone Yeah, else. we've all seen Manu's travel food series. They're not great. all right a federal government proposal which would have allowed foxtel to reduce its spending on australian drama content has been dropped after a senate committee voted against the proposal foxtel who currently spend around 24 million dollars per year on australian drama content had been seeking changes to the subscription tv drama content quota from 10 percent to five percent all right i feel i'm going to be in the minority here We want jobs for Australians, Rod, but Australians aren't watching Australian drama. Well, this was raised last week, something like uh, Wentworth does well. To me, when I look at this, I think good on Matthew Dina and Spa for for pushing the point and getting the the politicians to to, to push this... um, or keep this on Foxtel, because to me, Foxtel gets the double dip. They charge a subscription and they pump us with a shitload of ads. So if the penance is that they've got to stick to their uh, their Australian drama <coughs> quota, then make them do it. But why does it have to be Australian drama? Why can't it be a 10% overall spend on Australian content? Drama is not yeah. cheap and it doesn't rate. I get. I guess all the other... I guess all the other genres uh, do get a, a reasonable run. It's Australian drama that if we sort of lose the drama productions, we know that there's a, a, a part in our, our, our history that will disappear in, in terms of, you know, something sure, left behind. Sure, but Malk, are we forcing the creation of something the audience doesn't want? We've always done that, Rob. The nature of quotas forces the creation of content that means that sometimes they'll be great and sometimes it won't be great. That's that's the catch. I disagree profoundly. I think that Australian d- drama does rate when does it's it? really if it's good. If it's good, absolutely. lately it hasn't yeah. rated because if I wanted to be bold, it hasn't been good. Okay. Um, and 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 w- the long-standing discussion that we've had, then particularly free-to-air networks have forced drama into a position where people don't watch it in the, the way that we used to do. We're not tuning in at 7.30 to watch two episodes of Country Practice a week because reality has filled those slots and drama's been pushed out of the way and people like to catch up on it or binge it at their leisure anyway, which is why Voz is going to be so important because it gives us that holistic picture on how many people are actually watching a program. So the the it, it blows into this much bigger conversation about all sorts of things. Drama, Australian drama particularly does rate. It has rated well in the past when it has had the energy, effort and cash, because you're right, it is pound for pound some of the most expensive TV that we see mm. when it has the money poured into it. And I think, to its credit, Wentworth is a great example of that. Um the reimagining of the idea, the money that they poured into it, the star power that they've poured into it, the fact that they saw it past its government-supported uh, um, limits to, to to go on with these, what has now become the final series broken into two seasons. Um, it's going to be amazing. I can tell you that with the final season of Wentworth coming, I think it's 24th of August, 10 episodes of outrageous TV are coming our way. It's going to be phenomenal. Sure. 
But is that a big driver, Sarah, for people taking Foxtel subscriptions, or is that just a media darling? Um, I, I'm I'm with I'm with Rod on the whole. Like, I get annoyed when I have to pay for television and then you give me ads. Like cable back in the day, you paid for it because you didn't get ads, and now you're getting both. But I, what I was going to say is, I find it fascinating that Australians aren't watching Australian drama because in the US they're absolutely eating up Australian drama. Like every time I meet someone, they're like, "Oh, you're Australian. Like, do you know this show?" And they'll like bust out like Wentworth or like even Married at First Sight Australia was something that someone asked me the other day. Um, but there's a lot of actual drama series that you can find on whether it's Hulu or Netflix or um, various other sites that Americans are watching and devouring and loving and like it's almost become a topic of conversation when like because people I'll say oh I have to go home and do the, the podcast and people are like what's the podcast on and I'm like oh well you wouldn't be interested because it's Australian television and all of a sudden they start talking about all of this Australian television and it's fascinating to me but I get that in Australia they're not watching it because yeah we used to watch a country practice or home and away or whatever and now it is it's all reality tv in those time slots and I'm like when are these shows being played on Australian air for people to watch what was the last successfully launched Australian drama on f- commercial television, Aaron? Probably Packed to the Rafters. Uh, that, that would be a fair call. That's it? a hell of a long time Define ago. Do we regard role. Top of the Lake? Do we count that or is that... Doctor, Doctor? Define successful. You have yeah, to, what well, do you mean by strange. successful? Yeah. Define successful, people watching. Jack Irish, season three. I did yeah. say commercial television. Jack Irish, season three, is doing equivalent numbers to the reality television shows. But, I mean, Mock said, Mock said this before, but one, the quality's there. But, I mean, Doctor Doctor airing at, what, 9.17pm after after some reality franchise. Hey, if it was going to draw in 900,000 viewers, it would be on at 7pm, 7.30pm. That's a fact. They nah, know it's not, not with going the content to on Doctor Doctor. It wouldn't, mate. <laughs> Seven Seven Thirty is a lot looser than it used to be. Isn't the age-old problem with this that the, the, the scripts and the storyline, the characters are underdeveloped? Like, it, let's face it: if someone's doing a drama, it's either going to be in a hospital, or a police station, or fire station. A fire station. Mm. All right. The ABC has announced its intention to relocate around 300 employees from its Ultimo headquarters in Sydney to new facilities in Parramatta in Sydney's western suburbs. The move was announced as part of their five-year plan and is expected to be complete by 2024. Rod, I reckon this is a great move. It's probably a great move, but really, let's face it, it's driven by real estate prices, just just the same as the SBS move. It's like, hey, let's move it out there, it's cheaper. When they first moved from Gore Hill into Ultimo um, 18 years ago, I thought, why the hell would you Gosh. move a big production entity like the ABC into the CBD or the fringe of the CBD? So, anyway, it's taken 18 years for the accountants to look and go, what the hell have we got that I, piece I of land I think there is a genuine feeling so? of losing connection with the audience, and I think this is a big thing in the TV industry. But, there are not many people who live and work in the suburbs or live in the suburbs. Uh, you know, you travel for work into the city to work at the TV networks. That's not a problem. But they don't live in the suburbs. They don't connect with the real audience. They don't actually live outside the television bubble. I, I, I was in studio getting set up for Win the Week, which we, we shoot later today, episode one. Little plug. Um, <laughs> and yeah, a couple of the, the guys on the lighting crew were talking about it because, you know, they're, they're all used to coming in here. And one said to the other, said, well, I live at Borker Mill. So it suits me fine, which is not that far from Parramatta. And a lot of the crew 
do travel a long way. In fact, the, the director of this show lives in Port Macquarie. Can crew. She catches the train I understand yeah. crew. I agree right. with that. Yep. But when we're talking about producers, executive producers, they're usually living in inner Sydney or yep. inner Melbourne, and they, I feel, and I truly believe this, don't have that real connection with but real Australians. Isn't that potato, potato, though? Aren't they living there because that's where the studios are? No. Like... Oh, come on. Really? Are you saying people in the eastern suburbs aren't real Australians? <laughs> I think they have a different perspective and don't watch as much TV as people in the suburbs out west. And I would also say, Mulk, that uh, here's my guarantee. I reckon the ABC will lose a lot of workers who will refuse to travel out to Parramatta. They haven't said what workers are going out there yet, have they? They've just said that they're shifting about 300. It's a lot of news-based, and uh, I don't know what other areas, but I know news will be part of it. But well, here's the thing. Parramatta, geographically, is the centre of Sydney. Mm. Yes. And and to have the opportunity, and there's a ton, like, there, there's a, the section around Badgeries Creek, which is in Parramatta, but it's not super far from it, where the new airport's coming in, 15 million people are moving into that area in the next 10 years. Mm. There are heaps of opportunities for people to buy a house and move in and not have to pay ludicrous money for a pillbox. Um, the, 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 the benefit to the ABC in recentering itself is that it makes itself available to a whole bunch of people that can't afford or don't have the time to sit on public transport for an hour and a half or two hours and get into Ultimo every day to do their job. Uh, it opens up the opportunity for a better quality of life for their employees, and it means that there is capacity for it to have honestly, a bigger patch of land if it really wanted it. Um, though, room in the Parramatta CBD isn't exactly easily available. But oh, no, it's there's a lot Ultimo. of development. See, I, I, that, I can tell how long I've been gone from Australia because when I was a kid, and I grew up in the inner west, like Concord, Strathfield, um, and anything west past that, you were a Westie, you know, and, mm. and people made fun. Like, if you were in Parramatta or Blacktown, it was like the end of the earth. And then, like, years ago, I remember they were talking about movie premieres instead of being on George Street in the city, we're at Parramatta. And I'm like, why would you go to Parramatta? But then, like, <laughs> when I was dealing with the sex crime squad, their offices for, like, the police are all out in Parramatta. And so it's like, in 20 years since I've left, the city really has, like, everything now, it's like, based around Parramatta and I, I used to enjoy taking the ferry you know because you can go up the river and the fast mm. cat yep. but I'm like it's changed like it really has changed and and I mean I would still want to live at the beach because I obviously like the ocean but you know I, I no longer think of the western suburbs as people in Ugg boots and flannels and westies you know they're just that's people have moved in because that's where they've gone because you you, you can't move out past the headlands you know absolutely in all right. Team Red has now made it eight in a row as the clawback of 2021 continues. At the end of week 25, seven led the way with 29.7% to nine's 27 network share. Ten was in third spot with 18.3, followed by the ABC on 17.2 and SBS on 7.8. In primary channels, seven was tops, followed by nine, but ten fell to fourth behind the ABC. Seven also took out the 16 to 39s and 25 to 54s. Aaron, this is another good result for Seven. 
Yeah, look, I think things panned out as expected. I think 7-1 every night except Wednesday from memory. The, the only interesting thing I wanted to sort of point out was Saturday night uh, where 9 and 7 were neck and neck. I think it, the point here is that if there is alternative, uh, an alternative to sport that is half decent, people will watch. Um, Saturday is not dead um, dead end television. Nine uh, nine had the news, um, a current affair, the David Attenborough, uh, David Attenborough premiere series, and then the Fast and Furious Hobbs versus Shaw um, Hobbs and Shaw sorry premiere movie, and it actually did well for nine that night, and they actually came um, sort of neck and neck with seven uh, with the AFL. So, you know, you can program for Saturday nights, it's, um, and, and it does make a difference. You don't have to totally rule out that night. So, yeah. What do you think, Mark? Would Nine be worried? Nine are still doing pretty well. Yeah, I don't think it went quite to plan. Nine would have much preferred for them to win Tuesday night with their Celebrity Apprentice finale, that's for sure. Uh, and they didn't. Um, it's it's a bit of a situation. Great that Seven are one of three networks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go 10, um, go 10. <laughs> and, and look, it, it, it was noted that Seven sent out a, a big release saying that they've won now eight in a row and they've won however many weeks it was this year. That That's, that, that's a, a real testament to the fact that we have a serious two-horse race. I, I, I actually think that's a very fair point, Mulk, and it is going to be a tussle right to the end of the year. But where does that leave 10? They are one of three. Yeah, we've all learned that lesson. <laughs> they are number one under 50s, mate. Yeah. That's where it leaves 10. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying they are number one in under 50s. May not actually be number one. Okay. <laughs> wow. That was Rob McKnight's asterisk and not mine. The, the, pro- the problem with 10, though, is, I mean, let's face it, they only program really that has ratings there between 7.30 and, and, and 8.30, and then maybe have you been paying attention on Gogglebox. But they continue continue to lose at 6 to 7.30 p.m., you know, with a, you know going up against 7 News and 9 News with a very, like, 250,000 people watching 10 News at 6 o'clock. So they're just going to be behind. And then after 10.30, no one watches them at night either. So they're just, I don't know, we're never going to see them get out of that um, anytime well, soon. Well, they could, Aaron. Sorry, I... I'm going to say here, 10 have shown they can get an audience. Have you been paying attention and Gogglebox, right? Yep. Have you been paying attention, actually beat Lego Masters, lest we forget? So here's the thing. If you were 10, would you start thinking, okay, there's a big battle at 7.30 for sure, and we need to be in that game, but we're seeing chinks in the armour at 9 o'clock. So why don't we focus on getting a string of programs at 9 o'clock and start to own that time slot? And then their share increases, the narrative changes, they can still skew young, but start getting people to 9 o'clock and make that a point of difference for the network. What do you think, Rod? Well, just on that, do you think they'd already be sitting having big roundtable discussions with the brains at uh, Working Dog and saying, guys, what else can you come up with? Well, you you absolutely would be asking them, that, but that's not how Working Dog that's yeah. not how working dog works. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, we've got this thing, and when we've had enough of it, we'll shelve it. You know, the wonderful yeah. programs they've come up with over the years, like the panel. Oh, you, know, it, you know, they they always go out when they're on top with something. Put it that way. They don't they don't squeeze something to death or squeeze every bit of life out of something. My ten would kill for the panel uh, right yeah. now. There yep. is no question. Yeah, and that, I could all but promise you that it will not come back. No. They will not bring that sucker back, certainly not as the panel. As I say, they like um, it going out in a high. It's like, it, it, it had its day. 
keep it ringing it's in people's ears. Look, the, the real challenge for 10 is who do they approach to come mm. up with the content? Because have you been paying attention? Huge business. Great business on Monday nights. Um, uh, Gogglebox, when it's on air, and you don't want to overcook that, right? You don't want to play it every week. Let's keep mm-hmm. to our couple of seasons of 10 each year, so 20 episodes. Great. Sure. But we've still then got at least you know, two nights full plus another one, you know, in the off weeks of Gogglebox to fill out. Who do you ask to put stuff in there? And what do you put in there? Like they're currently trialing Bull, which has kind of got an audience on Wednesday night, but not really. Mm. And um, How to Stay Married, God bless Pete Hellier, season three is not the strongest season of that show. Um, but it's like entertainment. Sure, it's but like it's studio-based entertainment that can give you a good laugh before you go to bed. That's And you don't have to watch every episode. You dip in and dip out as you need. All right, it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob, as Mark would mock me. <laughs> TV Black Box has obtained the first look of Foxtel's IQ5. The new set-top box will allow customers the ability for the first time to stream the full selection of Foxtel's linear channels and on-demand content over an internet connection. The IQ5 is expected to be released later this year. Comedian Nazim Hussain and TV presenter Waleed Ali have been mixed up yet again. In the Daily Telegraph and the Sunday Herald Sun, as well as the Sunday's Age and the Sun Herald, it was written that the Australian talk special on the ABC would be hosted by Waleed Ali, when instead Nazim had scored the gig. Foxtel has announced Wentworth, the final sentence, will premiere Tuesday, August 24 at 8.30pm on Fox Showcase, exclusive to Foxtel. And in sad news, former ABC weather presenter Mike Bailey has died aged 71, following a stroke several weeks ago. Bailey first joined the ABC as a cadet in the late 1960s before working at Seven and then returning to the ABC in 1984. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, the big issue involves Bindi Irwin. She's made news this week, but should it have been covered? Plus, we'll open up the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. 
courted the public around this is who we are. Like the original kind of reality um, documentary yep. makers look at us jumping on crocodiles. Oh, by the way, here's the American woman I fell in love with, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, it's, 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 it's in the same way that I think that the Kat, the Kardashians are not news. I don't think that it is any of our reason to know what is happening in their personal lives. Um, and when they choose to share it on public social media or in public forums, is it still our business? No. Just because it got shared in public, that doesn't mean that, you know, we have to look, we have to click, we have to do any of those sorts of things. So I appreciate that there are people that are employed to turn every last skerrick of celebrity published information into 17 columns across seven platforms with, you know, six clickbait headlines. I get it. Um, I'm just not going to click. I think that entertainment news in and of itself is not news. I've got to say here, Mulk, Bindi is a story. And it's not just entertainment news. This is Why worthy is of... a story, Rob? Because she grew up in the spotlight. She She is a public figure. Mm. She's a public figure who still is in the public eye. They still use the media to try and get people to Australia Zoo, and I am not having a go at that in the sure, slightest. Sure, no, no, that's their business model, as but I said. But when she comes out and accuses Steve Irwin's dad of psychological abuse, that is a story. But and it's not the first time the story's been out. In 2018, there was a Daily Mail story that picked up on the fact that she talked about Bob had returned gifts from her, that, like, they weren't close, they hadn't spoken for years so it's not like it's the first time and maybe she's like when she's just had a baby maybe she's got postpartum depression we don't know and maybe it's hurting her right now because maybe she wants the, the the kid to meet bob and bob's not interested and we don't know because we're not Look, there we don't know the family history they definitely after steve's death seems to be some kind of divide in the family where um Bob Irwin was and out. And how is that any of our business? That's my point. Like, if she presses charges, it's news. Until then, it's effectively a family spat that spills into the media. But that's celeb- that's the world of celebrity, mate. And that's, that's what I'm the saying. Stuff that it's gets not reported news. on. Can, can, can I just uh, put one other thought in there? Out of everyone that's on social media, let's face it, the Irwins, all of them are very, very, very media savvy. They've grown up with it. I mm. wonder what her motive was was, do- with, was with, with pu- pushing this. Making it public, like... Well, somebody asked her why they didn't... And it it was a very innocuous thing because somebody had said... She said, Happy Father's Day because it was Father's Day yesterday in the US. And she said, Happy Father's Day to three fathers. And someone's like, well, why didn't you mention Bob? And I would have been like, well, number one, Bob's not my father. He's a grandfather. And grandfathers had their own days. And number two, she spilt out. She was probably upset about something and said, you know, said it. And it got picked up and ran with and then... One of the nobody cousins or in-laws or whatever they were then posted on Facebook slamming Bindi for saying what she felt was her truth and everyone then piled on and there's a whole like, you know, and and maybe the cousin or whatever was valid because maybe she had a, a great relationship with Bob, but just because she has a great relationship doesn't mean that Bindi does because everyone has different experiences with different people. I understand, people. but you use a term like psychological abuse, that is a headline. That is newsworthy because that is a hell of an allegation to make against anybody, let alone this very public family who we all love, we've all watched, we all, I've been to Australia Zoo, you know, we, we've all... That maybe she feels it was psychological abuse because maybe as a kid she reached out to Bob and Bob 
you know, didn't Exactly, but that's why it's a story. That's why it is valid to report on this, not just in the entertainment column inches, but on the 6pm news like it was last night. It's a headline-grabbing story, Mark, and I understand that your values on what is and isn't news might be very different, but to me, this is absolutely valid as something to be reported on. A man, a very famous man, has been accused of psychological abuse against Australia's favourite daughter. I'd question the very famous man. Uh, and Australia's favourite daughter, well, probably. I mean, that's that's the challenge in and of itself. You know, the Johnson family have public argument is not news. Irwin family have public argument becomes news because it's the Irwins. Correct. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I disagree that it should be news because the Irwins are the Johnsons, except for the fact that they have plied their trade selling effectively what is their family to, to do their thing. Like the Kardashians, right? Kardashians, the catch is that when their, sh- their, their stuff went to crap, they just filmed it and put it on their TV show. It was kind of much of a muchness that didn't matter. Um, thank God that's ended, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, the, the challenge... The challenge that we face is that I appreciate that there are people that are interested in it. And look, fine, fill your boots. I think that editorially, particularly when it comes to whatever the hell entertainment news is, we should be and could be far more discerning. Should the fact that Bindi has made these claims about her grandfather being on the 6 o'clock news, I'd argue not a chance. However, I'm not the guy in charge of news at 7, 9, 10, ABC, wherever it aired. You know, I, I think that in, in that regard, again, unless charges are laid, it is a family having a go at each other. A very famous family. And I've got to say, if I was the guy in charge, I definitely would have put it on the news last and, night. And I know, I know that, that, Rob, like, that Rob loves the Daily Mail, but if you peruse their pages, I mean, somebody wearing a tank top or drinking a cup of coffee is news to them. So what goes as news is KPIs around delivery for numbers of stories and those sorts of things. So yeah, but, the people but, that have to publish for the Daily Mail that have those gigs have to get stories out. So hang on, that drives traffic. So what is news? Is it something we're interested in consuming or is it elitists deciding what we should be consuming? Breaking news, elitists have always determined that. That's a whole different argument and too big for this podcast. But the simple fact is you can have a go at the Daily Mail all you like, but they're driving uh, consumers on, obviously, they see what works and what doesn't work. So the simple fact is if a story is getting up the top of the sidebar of shame and and in the splash at the top of the page, it's because people are clicking it and sharing it and commenting on it. And people love gossip. Right? Again, people aren't going to click on it and share it and read it if it's not there. Yes, but you could say the same if uh, the President of the United States got shot and nobody reported on it. No one's going to click on the story they don't know about. Are you going to suggest that that's not news, Rob? Well, that... It's not exactly an apples-to-apples It's a subjective argument, Malk. It's a subjective argument. Not a chance is it a subjective argument. A head of state assassinated... That's not a subjective argument. No, I was making the point. I was picking up on your point that if they didn't report on it, you wouldn't be able to click on it. Same as what you would determine as valid news. If if Woman's Day had not reported my initial story about, you know, what happened on the set of Hey Dad, it would never have become news and people wouldn't be in jail now. 
and I'm not saying Correct. that Bob did anything like that, but you know, who determines what is news and who determines what's valid? And sometimes you just throw shit at a wall and if it gets clicks, then it goes from there. And sometimes they write something that they think is going to be grand and nobody reads it and nobody cares. It just depends on what else is happening. Who determines? In Chiefs of staff, editors and publishers. That determines who and what is news. <laughs> well... No, no, that's not true. Viewers do because if they're making the wrong decisions, viewers don't click, viewers don't watch, and those people lose their jobs. Which is why we have the Irwins on the 6 o'clock news. Correct. Well, and you should be thankful that the world is in such a beautiful place right now that that's what's making news instead of, (laughs) you know, war or famine or something else. (laughs) All right. Let's move on because we are seriously running out of time. It's time to find out what everyone's been watching this week as we open the TV Binge Box. Don't forget you can get the full TV Binge Box podcast with Mog, Brookie and Joe Casamento each week in your podcast feed. This is our version where we do a quick hit of what we're watching. Sarah, what have you been watching? Well, NCIS, no surprises there. Um, I watched Sweet Tooth because Malk recommended it so highly and I watched the whole thing and it was very cute. Um, And I will be telling my in-laws to watch it because they only swore once through the whole thing. Um, And, of course, (laughs) Handmaid's Tale. And that's it. Uh, which I have to get across Handmaid's Tale. I really want some time just to sit down and watch that. Aaron, what have you been watching? Uh, well, as I said last week, I just want to reinforce Channel 9. You need to get your media site back up and running. I'm absolutely happy to talk about 9 content, but there's literally nothing to preview at all. And Channel 10, they've got their website up, but there's nothing in it really. How to stay married. You know that Channel 9 literally run five channels that you could watch, Aaron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, you sound the elitist but, getting all preview <laughs> copies of everything. <laughs> we want to preview some stuff for the audience and there's nothing to preview, so there's nothing I can talk about. I mean, with Channel 10 one, their website's running, but um, How to Stay Married is up to Episode 8, and yet they're still up to Episode 3 on, on the website. MasterChef seems to be the only thing that's been updated. So anyway, I've stuck with 7. Big Brother, yes, 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 it's been awesome. They've heaps of um, Farmer Wants a Wife. Um, the show in its whole is not my cup of tea in terms of genre, but I have watched um, the show for preview purposes, and for people that like it, the season is brilliant. There's a lot of heart and... Um, you know, less drama that you see on shows like The Bachelor and stuff like that. It's, it's really quite beautiful. Um, and it's done a long run this season, about three weeks. And I watched Ninja Warrior, um, you know, obviously not watching a preview of it. I had to watch it with ads like everyone else. It is long. Oh, it was like him. two hours. It was <laughs> huge. Oh, my God. Um but, yeah, I haven't watched the second episode, which is a Nick Kyrgios debut, uh, which was episode two. I don't know if anyone else has seen it, um, whether it's worth having him on it or not. But um, uh, And the last one I've been watching is The Blacklist. So people that have been watching this for eight seasons, they actually do reveal the whole thing in the last two episodes of season eight um, about what it's all about. So Channel 7 is getting close to about a third of the way through the eighth season, so it's still a couple of months off. But, yeah, it's uh, big, big reveals finally for the Blacklist. What about you, Ron? Uh, I picked, after Big Brother last night, I flicked over to watch Ninja Warrior. Um, please, whoever's doing the sound mix, can you pull down that loop of the uh, massive crowd? It's annoying as hell, and it just doesn't marry up with the pictures. 
Uh, apart from that, I, I, I thought Nick Kyros was good. If I was producing, I'd be wanting him to have some dummy split at some time. You're sort of watching things. When's he going to walk <laughs> off or when's he going to abuse an umpire? I think, you know, just plant a seed of that. Uh, been watching uh, the, the last couple of episodes of Series 1 of um, Startup. And for anyone that likes uh, little Easter eggs, if you watch, and I'm a nut for picking up errors because after 40 plus years in television, you, you, you see stuff. About five minutes into episode seven, there's two establishing shots to the exterior of the Rad coin building. I, I drive my wife nuts saying, that's a graphic, that's not a sign. Sure enough, the graphic cuts off a little early. Anyway, for anyone that's watching Startup, <laughs> keep an eye out for that. Uh, and the other thing I've been watching is series two of The Mandalorian. Now, I grew up as, you know, as a teenager, went to the first Star Wars. Is loved this the it. first time you've seen it, Rob? Which? The Mandalorian? Season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm a bit slow. I'm a bit old. That's but, all right. But with, um, i t- tell you something that bothers me. Disney owning Star Wars. You know, I, I, I hated the, the, the trilogy of the movies. I just thought they were a waste of time. The Mandalorian is good from a production point of view. But what bothers me is in the States, and Sarah, I'd be interested in your take on this, where we've got so much gun violence, you've got the Disney brand, which is also woke and everything sensitive and... But then you've got the Mandalorian who just blasts the shit out of everyone that he encounters. Just kill, 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 kill. <laughs> completely normalising. Like I saw an interview with a, 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 a ultra-right-wing judge you know, defending the NRA the other day and blaming computer games. That's why people are out there shooting each other. I'm just thinking you've got a whole new generation of little kids growing up with that Disney brand that can just flick straight over Star Wars and just watch the Mandalorian, whether he's a hero or an anti-hero, basically just kill, 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 kill. Totally normalise things. You know, if you could go back to the original premise of Star Wars with, uh, you know, George Lucas's philosophy and Obi-Wan Kenobi, he, he used a, a lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. It was clumsy or random as a blaster, an elegant weapon for a more civilised age. Well, I fear we're not in quite a civilised age when you've got the Mandalorian blasting hell under the Disney brand. Thoughts? Um, well, I mean, I, it's just America. <laughs> It's first, you know, Second Amendment. I mean, we just shoot people. Yeah. And I've got to say, I really liked it, Rod. (laughs) I I liked it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a big Star Wars fan, but just that whole thing of the Disney branding and, like, Disney's so sensitive to everything, but having them having Star Wars. There's a YouTube video somewhere that shows all of the stars talking about, like, getting rid of the, the, you know, the Second Amendment and um, getting rid of guns, and then, but then they overlay all of the scenes where they are just randomly blasting people. And they're like, so yeah. it's okay for you to do it in movies, but you don't think it should be done in real life. Mm. Fair enough. All right. I've got to say I've been watching The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just finished the entire run, so I've just watched the final episode again, so I'll go back to episode one now. All right. Um, I watched 60 Minutes and I was a little disappointed, to be honest, on their um, hacking story. I didn't really feel... It was a nothing story. Yeah, I didn't feel I really learnt anything. They had cameras inside Channel 9 as it was breaking down. They didn't even show the photo from Weekend Today of the disruption. They didn't really show things going wrong. Yeah, we saw a few meetings in progress. I agree. It, It really... I, I just thought that was all nothing. Been enjoying uh, Sean McAuliffe, and I also I'm in love with Loki, and desperately looking forward to the next episode. Mulk, uh, I need to encourage you all better to talk about where you watch these things because people listen and go, oh, I want to watch that, and they don't know where to watch it on. Um, ah, uh, good point. Um, yeah. Big Bang Netflix, Sean McAuliffe, ABC, sixty Minutes, Channel Nine, and Loki Disney Plus. Great, thanks, Rob. Um, I don't think it matters where I watch them because it's all different. 
<laughs> oh, it can be and it can't be, right? Um, I, for one, am glad that Star Wars is not a documentary. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> if, uh, if you can't work out that pew-pewing people with laser guns um, oh. is, is not a reflection of reality, then maybe we need to talk about how things work together. They're killing oh, yeah. each other with laser swords, Rod. Hey, when They're I was a kid, real. I ran around. When I was a kid, I'd run around with cap guns, you know, playing cowboys and Indians. But we also sure. come the, thing the is, time the, the, of when the knights fought each other with swords. They didn't have yeah, guns yet. That's my point. Yeah, like you know. they're feeding but large yeah, elephant-sized panther to sandworms. The, the the difference is though that all the houses households in America now are gun, you know gunned up to the hilt pretty sure. well. That's the difference. As soon between as they when get laser guns, I'm getting and this worried. Generation. I'm with you. Okay. Um, I, I have been deep in Handmaid's Tale. I thought the season finale was phenomenal and I cannot wait for the next season because that's just going to go off off its absolute mind. Um, wait, was that the last episode that I just watched? Or did you watch a preview? The, hang on. The episode that you just watched, did it end with them running around in a forest? Yes. That is the season finale. Damn it! Alright, uh, That was on SBS, SBS On Demand, if you want to watch that. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race on Stan... I'm not sure that I agree with the winner, but it's done. Um, well done to to the production team for even making that happen. I thought that in itself was uh, a, a feat. And was RuPaul actually there? At the finale. <laughs> was pre-filmed. No, at the whole shooting. There's all these rumours that he was in the States. Mate, if they did, then they, they either did a perfect green screen of putting him in uh, or they flew um, Reese Nicholson to um, the US to film it. Perfect. I, I haven't watched it. No, it was but, in New Zealand. But, yep. Um, uh, the, the thing that has absolutely captivated me in the last week on Amazon Prime Video, Clarkson's Farm. Um, <gasps> if you yes. think that mm. Jeremy Clarkson is a massive buffoon who shouldn't be on your television, then this might actually be the TV program for you. Um, I during, did watch that. It was very good. During the lead into COVID, he decided that he would do something with this mega acre farm that he has in the Cotswolds and actually start working it himself. He'd had people working it for him. Um, and to give you an example of how the series goes, his first purchase when he goes to buy a tractor, he buys the biggest Lamborghini tractor you have ever seen in your <laughs> life. And I love that everyone tells him it's too big. It doesn't fit in his barn. Even his doesn't girlfriend his tells barn. him it's too big. <laughs> and it doesn't fit through half the gates he's got on the property. It's it's brilliant. Um, and it's really easy to watch and phenomenal to see him, you know, helping deliver lambs and all sorts of crazy stuff. That is the reality of farming life. Uh, and the profit that he makes at the end is, I uh, just note, perfect. It is incredible. Okay. That's very good. Hey, before we go, I just want to talk about the ratings that have just lobbed through for Monday night because there are some interesting developments. We talked about the fact that Have You Been Paying Attention is doing really well. It was the number one entertainment show last night with 727,000 people in the five cap cities in total people. Um, the next biggest show on the entertainment front was MasterChef in 10th spot. So have you been paying attention was number six. MasterChef was number 10 on 631. Australian Ninja Warrior was the 11th most watched show of the night on 624,000. Big Brother was number 12 on 613,000. That is a worry for Ninja Warrior, which had been so dominant and so strong. And says to me there's a big problem with the 7.30 offerings. They are all grouped together. MasterChef, 6.31. Warrior, 
6.24 and Big Brother 6.13. Not a lot of gap there. Whereas, have you been paying attention, leaping above on 727,000 at, I don't know whether that's 8.30 or 9 o'clock, but whatever time slot that's in, it's doing much better numbers than the big reality TV tent poles. I think Have You Been Paying Attention started at 8.40 last right. night, Rob, so it was only a 70-minute MasterChef. All of those shows um, are up on their numbers from last week. In, to get them into the early 600s, all of them have been basically living in the low to mid 500s. But is that because um, Nine's figures have come down with Ninja Warrior? Because Celebrity Apprentice was uh, doing pr- probably. a bit better, wasn't it? Well, Ninja Warriors started, we've only had one episode prior to this one, yeah. and it did mid-700s at launch, um, which was down, you know, on the past year, all of the years, launch for Ninja Warrior. Um, look, it's it's an interesting situation, isn't it? I think that while there is an audience for stuff, I think it's just we're looking at, the, it's, it's, dare I say it, the rusted-on viewers that like the formats. Mm. That's all <laughs> it is. Big Brother's about to finish. Um, Ninja Warriors just started. MasterChef has finally hit its, like, its final 10, I think. Um, so it's <laughs> MasterChef suddenly got interesting for mine. It'll be interesting to see if those numbers stay up. I, I said in the ratings report yesterday that for 720 or whatever it was, 727 or something that, that Ninja Warriors started with, that that'll be its biggest numbers. You did season, say that. Because that's been the trend. Mm. Well, it was a very interesting Monday night and it will be interesting to see where those figures for Ninja Warrior go. Okay, that brings us to the end of the TV Black Box podcast. We will be back in two weeks. Yes, we're having a two-week break, but in the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the TV Black Box newsletter by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter and keep visiting the TV Black Box website at tvblackbox.com.au. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Mulk. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, Aaron. See you soon. Bye. Bye. See you all. And everybody watch Win the Week, 8 o'clock ABC Wednesday night. (laughs) Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.